church today, and uh, we're going we're gonna to just bottle that up with the Word of God. So if you've got your Bibles, why don't you grab your Bibles? We'd love to stand in honor of God's Word together. So if you have that, we're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 19. I'm going to give you a second to get there. It's the Old Testament. If you've got to rock the, rock the talk, table of contents, go ahead and do that. 1 Kings chapter 19. Go ahead and turn there together. Anybody excited to be at church today? I believe that the Lord's going to speak to us, and I'm just so thankful that you're here. We're in a series called... Uh, let's talk about it. It's a series on some, probably some things in church a lot of times that you're not going to hear a whole lot about, but the culture is loud about. And uh, today is just a good day to be at church. I'm so thankful for you. We got next after this service. If you're wanting to find some people to do life with, find your place here at Purpose Church, find some purpose, listen, come to that. We'd love to feed you, love to have some time with you. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to stall so you can find First Kings 19. Everybody okay? Everybody good? Everybody good? If you're there, say I'm there. If you need a minute, say hold up. Okay, I'll give you a minute. All right. I like it. I like it. But again, I'm just so thankful for you and what God did in the first service. I'm just expecting God to do some incredible stuff in this service. And so we're talking about something that, again, very quiet about in culture, but we're going to be loud about as a church. So we're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 19. We're going to start in verse 1. If you're ready for God's word, say, I'm ready. Here we go. Verse 1 says this. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done including the way that he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So if we just started reading that, you may not have any context. Elijah's the good guy, just so everybody knows. And Jezebel and, and Ahab are, are the bad guys. Let's just talk about it. Let's make it really simple together, all right? So, so literally, Elijah is a prophet of God. He's done some incredible work for God. Jezebel doesn't like it. She's got this evil spirit about her. So Jezebel, verse 2, sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you've killed all of them. And Elijah, he was afraid, and he fled for his life, and he went to Beersheba, a town in Judah. And watch what the Bible says. He left his servant there, and then he went on alone. Somebody say alone. Alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. I got to thinking about that as I was even reading it in the first service together. Like, I don't know. There, I think there's some people that may have walked in this place today, and you've probably said some words that look like that. that Lord, I, I'm over it. I'm tired of it. Take it. Take me. I, I want to take my own life. And uh, you're, you're in a, a season of kind of what Elijah's going through. Watch what he goes on to say. He said, take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down. He went to sleep underneath the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. And he looked around, and there beside his head was some fresh Cheddar Bay lobster, red lobster biscuits. Come on, somebody, all right? Come on, that's how I read the Bible. It's fun, all right? Baked on hot stones and some Fiji right next to him, water, all right? So he ate and drank and lay down. I'm sorry, I am the real pastor. There's not an older guy coming out next week. This is it. Okay, cool. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again, touched him, and said, get up and eat some more, and because the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. And there he came to a cave, verse 9, where he spent the night. And I just believe today we're going to talk about something again that the church can be very silent about, but that culture is loud about, that the world around us is loud about. We've talked about it over the last couple of weeks, uh, some pretty controversial topics. Today we're going to talk about this idea of let's talk about self-harm and suicide. Let's talk about self-harm and suicide. If you're ready for church today, somebody say, I'm ready. 
Right, come on, let's pray and ask for God to be in this place. Lord, we love you. Jesus, we honor you. I just pray today that you would just get glory in this place. As we open your word, as you teach us, according to what your scripture has to say, that we can learn from a guy like Elijah some things that we can do as we step into what you've called us to. God, I believe there's purpose that, uh, in the lives of every single person in this room. That, God, you have a purpose for them, and also you have a, a general purpose that is to, is to love you, is to serve people, live on purpose. And then that you have a specific purpose that you want to use them individually for. And God, I just believe that you're going to teach us today. Speak to us, Holy Spirit, as only you can. In Jesus' name that we pray and all of God's people say, amen, amen. Come on, if you love Jesus one more time, can we make a little bit of more noise for the name above all names? All right, once you high-five your neighbor and say, it's good to see you. Good to see you at church today. Have a seat, have a seat, have a seat. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, cool, man. I'm so glad you're here. And uh, I, I am so thankful. And we're in this series called Let's Talk About It. Somebody say, let's talk about it. Yeah, let's talk about it. So we're going to talk today about something. But first, I want to start off by just saying, hey, I, I don't know about you guys. I love to, like, um, uh, anybody write really quick. Like, anybody loves seeing these packages on their front porch step? Come on, somebody. Where are my Amazon primers at in the room? Come on, wave at me. All right, yeah. I, I see some arms going up, but they're pointing to the person next to them right now. All right, they're like, yeah, this one right here. Okay, like, yeah, I, I'll just tell you in our house, um, uh, we, we have, like, packages that feel like they're delivered every day. Come on, somebody, right? Does anybody remember the Sears catalog when you were a kid? Come on, this is for the old people in the room. You know, you had to, like, circle it. You had to call a number. You had to get, like, you had to wait, like, four weeks before you got something. Come on, somebody. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Just me? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Like when Christmas would come, like you literally, like you're circling stuff. You're giving it to your grandmama. That's what I used to do. Now we got Amazon Prime, and Lord bless Amazon Prime. Come on, somebody, right? You can forget a birthday, and these two days out, I got you, right? That's what Amazon Prime says. And I don't know about you, but I, I, we just literally moved into a different house, and we're trying to get a bunch of stuff, and Allie was ordering different things from Amazon, and, and uh, I ended up ordering a few things, and uh, uh, we would literally have boxes that would come and show up on our doorstep literally just about every day and as I got to thinking about that I got to think okay I ordered something uh, and all this stuff that's been coming in and I ordered something I was really excited about it and I got the box and the box looked like oh I mean this the FedEx or who USPS or UPS right whoever delivered it that day oh my god they must have just set it down like this it looked so pretty. It was right there on our front porch. It was perfect. There wasn't nothing wrong with it. No dogs around. No nothing like that. They took it off and drug it around anywhere. It looked good on the outside. Had Dustin McLean on it, my address. Ooh, I'm good. I'm feeling good today. Got what I ordered. Allie ordered all these trinkets and stuff. I ordered something that I need in this place right now, right? And so I, I'm thinking, oh, I can't wait to open it. And I don't know about you guys, but, man, when you crack open that box, come on, somebody, I, like, try to just man it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't use a knife. I don't use a, a pair of scissors. I'm ripping the tape. Come on, somebody. Just something I like to do. Okay, and as I opened that, what began to happen is I began to peel out back, you know, the, the layers of, uh, of box. And all of a sudden, I see the thing that I had ordered was shattered on the inside. How much of a bummer? Yes, my fault. Exactly. Yeah, like, that's how I felt. I was like, oh, my gosh, are you serious? Like, I ordered this thing, I'm trying to get for our house and our family, and all of a sudden this sucker is shattered, and I'm like, oh my goodness, what's happening? And I got to thinking about that, and you know a preacher is going to look for any sort of uh, illustration when it comes to anything going on, right? But I did really think about that, and it, it hit me really quickly. I think a lot of us, if we're being honest, on the outside look like we have it all together. On the outside it looks like it's perfect. On the outside it looks like there's nothing going on. But yet if we get below the surface and we actually open us up on the inside of us that we're really broken, 
that we're walking through a season of brokenness, that maybe you come in this place today and there is something that you are dealing with. And again, you may have showed up to church and boy, you had your happy face on. You've been walking around high-fiving people. You mean, you, everything's good on the outside, but on the inside, you are broken, you're lonely, you're depressed, you're anxious, and you feel like on the inside, you're broken. How many of us can ever relate to that? How many of us ever have ever felt that way before? And again, we're going to be an honest, open, transparent church. We're going to talk about it today because we're going to talk about this idea of self-harm and suicide. And I want, to, I want to kind of lay some groundwork before we get there. And it's kind of wild to me that as I go back and look at this last week, um, as I was doing some research on suicide and self-harm, that I found out that this last week, from literally the 10th of last Sunday to the, yesterday, was actually Suicide Prevention Week. And it God, and it like God, that we would just talk about it on the end of that, that we're going to talk about this idea of what culture can be loud about, but what the church oftentimes is silent about. And I want to be very clear today, up front, and very honest, open, and transparent with you, and I'd love to just start out today by just letting you know that Jesus understands you, that Jesus gets you, that Jesus understands what you may have walked in here with, that Jesus can relate with you. That Jesus, the week as he was getting prepared to go to the cross, he's carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders, knowing that he's about to die for the sins of all of us, right? And he decides, I'm going to go pray. I'm going to go spend time with my father in a place called Gethsemane. How many of us have heard of that, right? You've heard of the Garden of Gethsemane, right? I think a lot of us have heard that, but maybe you didn't know the actual term Gethsemane. If you take that word, it actually means the oil press or the place of pressing. It's actually what that word means. And so Mark 12 tells us, as Jesus is praying, he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. And he said this, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow even to the point of death. You're talking about some pressure, right? You're talking about some unrelenting, not getting up, not, or not giving up, not letting up kind of pressure. Even Luke records it as saying that Jesus was under so much intense pressure that this pressing in on Jesus was happening. He was under so much stress that, that literally such agony of spirit that sweat fell to the ground like a great drop of blood. And so again, I, I, I want you to know that Jesus understands you, that Jesus gets you. Why, why would Jesus go through this? Why would he do that? You know why? For you and for me. That's why. That's why Jesus would do it. Why would he do that? You know why? Because we serve a high priest of ours who understands our weaknesses, right? Who gets us, who, who faced all the same testings that we do, yet he never did sin. And I think it would be totally different if we uh, didn't have a God that came to earth, dwelt among us, suffered like we suffer, because then what we would do is we would point our finger at God and say, God, you don't understand. You don't get what I'm going through. You can never relate to me. You don't, you don't understand what I'm dealing with. But we serve the God who willingly put himself in our place and suffered just like you and I in this life. And I just think we ought to take five seconds to say, thank you, God, for going to the cross. Thank you, God, for being a God that wasn't distant and far off, but he came and lived among us. Come on, that's good news today. It's great news. So Jesus understands us. And one of the things I want us to know, though, is that we rarely talk about it in church. And there's this stigma around this thing called depression. And I think that press being right in the middle of that word, is I don't think that's by any coincidence. Because really, that's what it feels like if you've ever gone through it. This idea of depression, like it feels like unrelenting pressure is all around you. And some of you are feeling that in your chest today. Some of you are feeling that in your, your head today with headaches. Some of you... 
are having sleepless nights or your stomach is turning. And according to statistics, we are living in the generation that is the most anxious, the most depressed, and the most medicated society that has ever lived. This is what I want us to know and I want us to all realize is that depression, anxiety has really affected all of us one way or another. If we can be honest, in this place today, like either you or somebody you know has dealt with depression, anxiety, self-harm, suicidal thoughts, right? And I think I, I want to be very clear today, and I want to let you know that depression does not discriminate, right? You need to know that, that depression does not pick you based off of uh, where you grew up or how you grew up or what your job might be or whether you're a male or female. It doesn't discriminate, and I'm telling you, anybody is vulnerable to it, even me. And I, I want to share with you that I, even a couple of years ago, went through a season. I, I like being honest, open, transparent. Everybody okay with that? Okay. I like, I like to do that because, again, we're going to be a hot church. We're going to be honest, open, and transparent because God can't heal what we try to hide. And I just believe we got to do that. And so I, even in my own life, I've walked through seasons, and Allie would share it with you as well, where we've walked through seasons of depression individually ourselves. Like just a few years ago, there was a moment, again, if you would look at my life from the outside, my box on the outside, everything's good. Everything's crispy, it's all tightened up, it's lined up, it's good, it's taped up. And yet on the inside, I felt so broken. And I felt like, oh my gosh, literally, I don't even know if I want to get out of bed and face what I'm facing today. I, I, I'm done, God. I, I don't really want to do that. Has anybody ever been there before, right? Anybody else ever felt that? It feels like, man, there's this pressure going on and I can't do it again. I can't continue to get up. I feel so much pressure going on around me. And I even had to go on some medicine. And again, I'm just going to tell you, okay, hey, listen, if you got to go see somebody, a doctor, that's exactly what I had a chance to do. There's nothing wrong with that. And I'll tell you about it a little bit more in a second because it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not be okay. We'll talk about it in just a second. But, but I want to tell you a little bit more about this idea of depression and what it does and kind of its symptoms. And listen, I am no doctor. And some of y'all are like, no, duh. You didn't have to say nothing like that. I just knew, okay, I get it. I'm, I'm with you, all right? But, but I am a pastor that has struggled with this very thing as well. But I just believe the Word of God has a lot to say about this subject. And I am here to tell you that there can be hope and healing in this area of your life as well. I believe that for you. So I want you to write a couple things down. Depression is a mood disorder where a person loses pleasure or interest in activities for long periods of time. So if you're going to look that up online, that's what depression is going to tell you it is. It's a mood disorder where you lose uh, pleasure or interest in activity for a long period of time. And there's different things that come along with that depression. Uh, that what happens is there's some extreme sadness. There's poor concentration. Not, not like so in my ADHD self like I am, but like even worse. Like you feel like you don't, want fo you don't even want to focus on anything. That's why it's such poor concentration. Sleep problems, loss of appetite feeling of extreme guilt, helplessness, and hopelessness, right? That's just a few of the symptoms that are, are, are coming alongside of depression. And I, I think if we're all honest in the room, uh, one of those things I just said, we are on that list somewhere in there, right? It may be one, it may be many, but we're on that list somewhere. And see, I think we have to break this stigma around this thing called depression because you have to realize it is not a sin to be sick, like, you got to realize that your illness is not your identity. And then again, I just said a second ago, it is okay to not be okay. I want you to write that down. It's okay to not be okay. Tap your neighbor say, it's okay to not be okay. 
Tap your neighbor you chose second and say, I love you as well, but it's still not okay to be, it's, it's okay to not be okay. Like, like, I want us to see that. And if you're thinking about making this church your home, you just need to realize that we all got a couple screws loose. Come on, somebody, all right? We all got some stuff we're working through. We all got issues. We all have things that we're dealing with. But I've dreamed of a church where we can be honest, open, and transparent, real about our struggle, submit our life to Jesus, and allow him to work in the purpose of our life. Come on, if we believe that, can we give him three seconds of some praise in this place today? I'm just telling you, that's what we're going to be. It's, it's okay to not be okay, but listen to me. If depression is not checked, if it goes unchecked, it can get so out of control that it comes to a point where so many people are considering self-harm, suicide, just looking for some relief somewhere. Now, here are just some facts about suicide. Every 40 seconds, someone dies by suicide. Suicide is the second leading cause of death among ages 13 to 30. If you take that and kind of dwindle it down a little bit more from age 15 to 24, it's the number one leader of death in that age group. That's why I'm wearing this Gen Z will be suicide free shirt. And I borrowed this from Sam and Kelsey. Thank you all so much. They're not in here. Yeah, okay. I'm so thankful for them. They let me borrow this. Now, Sam and our youth team are so passionate about letting the next generation know that they have value and God loves them and God cares about them and God has a plan for their life and they are there for them and they are consistent and I'm so proud of our youth team so much because this again is their heart that every student knows that they have a purpose that God has given them. And listen to me, I love this shirt that says Gen Z will be suicide free because right now that's not the case. And we're just believing and hoping and through some education and through letting some people know, hey, it's okay to not be okay. And again, we'll talk about it in a second of some remedies for that. But it is the number one killer from age 15 to 24 right now. A million people each year take their own lives. And listen to me. Look at me. One is too many. One is too many. And listen to me. This is happening on our watch. The church of Jesus Christ has the hope of the world. And yet there are people that we're sitting next to even in this place that are struggling. That are walking in this place. And they feel like it's a sentence. It's a life sentence. But listen to me. Your depression doesn't have to be a life sentence. And you got to realize that suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And just like maybe you're here and you're struggling with that, if you ever feel in the notion that you should take your own life, the suicide hotline has gotten even easier. You don't have to remember a long number. you got three numbers. Just like 911, you can dial 988. We're putting that up on the screen because I want people to see that. Because maybe you can't get a hold of us, you can get a hold of somebody. And you got to let somebody know if you're ever in that moment where you feel like, i, I got to take my life. And I, I want to address a controversial topic I think a lot of people might say is that, oh, 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 if you commit suicide, well, then you'll go to hell. Is what a lot of people might say. And I want to be very clear that I think that is a lie that has dominated the church world for far too long. Because a person's eternity is not determined by how they die, but who they know. And you know what that means? That's, in other words, it's all about a relationship with Jesus. And, and I want you to hear that loud and clear, that again, it's not about how you die that determines your eternity. No, 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 it's about who you know, and we know that Jesus, and because of Jesus, that we have life and life more abundantly, that God has given us life in eternal life, even into eternity. But I just tell you really quick, that doesn't give us the ability to say, oh, it doesn't matter, I'm going to end my life here so I can go be with Jesus. No, 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 Jesus wants to use you right now. Jesus has something that he wants to do with you right now. And I've heard so many people say that people who love Jesus should never lose hope, should never be depressed. 
But what I got to thinking is I look at the Bible. There's some of the finest people of God that knew what it was like to be so tired of it all. They knew what it was like to feel the pressure of what's going on around them. This guy by the name of Jeremiah, he's a prophet. He wrote this book called Lamentations. Listen to me. If you're ever in a mood where you're not like, oh, I'm down, do not go and read Lamentations, okay, everybody? I'm just going to tell you because he's right there with you, all right? Like he's, He writes it like this. Peace has been stripped away. I've forgotten what prosperity is. I cry out. My splendor is gone. Everything I hoped for from the Lord is lost. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I'll never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. That sounds like somebody's not okay, right? Sounds like somebody's going through it right there. I think about what, what happens in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. This is Paul writing to the Corinthian church, a second letter, and he says, Hey, we thank you all to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble that we went through in the province of Asia. Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. Anybody ever felt that before? Right? Crushed. Oh, well, it's too much. I can't keep going. I got to stop. And we thought that we would never live through it. I think there's so many of us, if we're being really honest in the room, that we would say, you know what, I don't know if I can make it through it. I don't know if I can push through it. Then we have our guy that we read today, Elijah, a prophet, a guy that followed after God, was leading God's people, like speaking to God's people, doing incredible stuff for the Lord. And what happens is this incredible prophet finds out it's okay to not be okay. And that's what I want us to write down. It's okay to not be okay. We're going to look at the life of Elijah, three things, and we're going to land the plane, all right? Three things I want you to see from the life of Elijah that we can learn that when you may be struggling with depression, anxiety, self-harm, suicide, this is something that we can learn. It's okay to not be okay. 1 Kings 19 verse 3, Elijah was afraid, fled for his life. He laid down underneath a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord. He's telling God, God, I'm done. I'm over it. Take my life for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. And if you know anything about the story, the, the, the past few years, Elijah had been in a massive spiritual battle. Like there's incredible things happening. He's trusting God. He's praying. He's trusting God. He's praying. He's seeking God. He's praying. He's trusting God. He's battling. He's faithing. He's battling. He's faithing. Then he's running. And all of a sudden, we see all of this, and we find out in the middle of all of that, he is not okay. And he goes to God and says, God, I'm over it. I've had enough. God, I am not okay. And what does God do? God sends an angel to represent himself. And I want you to notice what God does and does not do right here in Scripture. There is no sermon. There is no rebuke. There is no shame. The angel doesn't just show up and say, oh, if you only had a little more faith. Well, if you only memorized one more Bible verse. If you would just quit acting like a baby. That's not what the angel of God does. But what I love about God so much, watch this. Is God meets him right where he's at. I want you to hear that today. You walk in this place, you may be broken, but God can meet you right where you are. I love the fact of what David has to say in Psalm 61. Hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Come on, that sounds like somebody's going through it, doesn't it? Sounds like somebody that's, man, they're, they're getting weaker. Their voice is getting weaker. Their energy level is going down. It sounds like that's going on in the life of David. But watch what he says. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. 
You know what that reminds me of is that we need to go to the source that can make this better. And I love the fact that even when it's, we're, it is okay to not be okay, even when we're not okay, that we can cry out to our God because, listen to me, he can handle it, that God can handle it. And prayer is reminding you and I that God is in control. The Bible tells us don't worry about anything but pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all that he's done. Then, somebody say then. All right, so after you've prayed, after you've gone to God, after you've not not necessarily worried about it, like you've thanked him for what you got, then you're going to experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Come on. Is there anybody needs some peace today? Is there anybody needs some rest today? Is there anybody that needs their mind to be sound as we sing today? If there's anybody that needs that, I just would implore to you that you can take your brokenness and you can present it to our almighty God because he's big enough to handle it and he's good enough to listen. Even though we may not be good enough in our own, he's good enough to listen. Come on. Is anybody thankful for that, God? Can we give him a big shout of praise in here? So, it's okay to not be okay. I'm going to add a clause that we haven't ever heard before. And this is the second one. It's not okay to not tell anyone. I know that's a lot of double negatives in that sentence right there, right? It's okay to not be okay. It's not okay to not tell anyone. Because we see that happen in in Elijah's life. And what happens is, Elijah was afraid. He fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah. And it says that he left his servant there. Then he went on alone. Somebody say alone. Into the wilderness, traveling all day. Listen to me. Isolation is where you do not want to fight. Depression, suicidal thoughts, battles from, like you do not want want to fight alone. And I think in my own life, I think there's been times where I said, oh, I'm not going to share that with anybody because they they think it's good. I'm I'm good. I'll just push through it. I'll get through it. I'm fine. I'm not going to tell Allie. I'm not going to tell... Uh, my best friend, I'm not going to say anything like that because I'll just get through it. I'll just keep pushing through it. And I began to fight alone. And listen, it's funny because we can be a ro- in a room full of hundreds of people and yet still feel lonely at the same time. And what happens is when you get alone, you start saying some crazy stuff to yourself. Right? Anybody ever been there? I, I, I'm, I'm all alone in this. Nobody understands me. I've never, I've never been more alone in my life. The only one that, that has, I'm, I'm the only one that's ever been through this. I'm a mess up. I'm a failure. I'm, I'm better off not being here. Nobody would miss me if I'm gone. I'm, I'm all alone right now. Would anybody even know or care that I wasn't around anymore and I'm just alone? And what happens is we keep feeding ourselves with these toxic thoughts just like Elijah did. Watch what he says in verse 10. We didn't read that, but this is what he says. He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have uh, rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. He's thinking he's all by himself. He's thinking, I'm it. This is it. I'm all alone. What he's doing is he's comparing himself to everyone else around him. And listen to me, his comparison is killing his contentment. And he's finding that that I can't keep up with the rat race. I can't keep, I'm looking around, I can't keep up. And this is a picture a lot of times of what depression can do. And listen to me, you and I cannot go at it alone. I don't know what you're walking in this place with, but listen to me. You're not going to make it out on your own because isolation deepens darkness. And I've been there. And, and, and when you say, hey, I'm not going to let anybody know, I'm not going to tell anybody, it's not a big deal, I can get through it. Listen, before you know it, it's deeper and it's darker than you ever can imagine. 
I've been there. I feel that, and I know that that's what the room feels right now, that the Spirit's kind of leaning in on that on some of you right now, that you know how that feels, and you need to realize that there are people all around you, even in your row next to you, who care about you, but we may not know unless you open your mouth. you got to tell somebody. Listen to me. Nobody may know what you're going through unless you say something. And I wish I'd get a witness up in church right now that would say we are a church that is here to encourage people to be bold and walk into some freedom and tell somebody today. Come on, can we put our hands together and encourage some people today that you know what? You can tell somebody. You can let somebody know. It's not okay not to tell anybody. And listen to me, I don't know what kind of secrets you may have walked in this place with, but I know, listen to me, if nobody knows your secrets, you're in trouble. Nobody may know what's going on unless you say something, but you have to understand, if nobody knows your secrets, you're in trouble. I'm not saying that Facebook needs to know your secrets. Come on, somebody. We don't know all that poster that posts like everything all the time. You know what I'm talking about? We don't need that. But listen to me, everybody doesn't need to know your secrets, but somebody does. Okay? Somebody does. And listen, I, I don't know what those secrets might be, but you're only, at, you will always be as sick as your secrets. you got to be willing to tell somebody. That's why we talk about crews so much. That's why we, we say, hey, we love being in a row right here. We love the fact of what God is doing through our church. But listen to me, you want to experience some growth? You want to take a next step in your faith? You want to get out of some isolation? Listen to me, get in a crew. Because sometimes when I'm not feeling good, I can't trust me. I can't trust my feelings. That's why I need a crew when I'm not feeling well to say, hey, 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 you, I need to speak some truth into your life today. I need to speak some truth into you that they can help replace the lies of the enemy with the truth of God's word. And the devil's going to come at you, and he has and I know he has because we've all been there. And the devil's going to say, you're not even loved by God. And you, according to God's word, with your crew, that can remind you, oh, no, 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 no. i got to take that thought captive. That's not even true. I am loved by God because the Bible says in John 3, 16, that God so loved me that he gave his one and only son that anybody believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. The devil may come at you and say, oh, you don't have any purpose. God has nothing to do with you. And you and you need a crew reminding you, nope, I recognize that. That's also false because Ephesians 2.10 tells me that I am God's masterpiece created anew in Christ Jesus to do good works that God prepared for me long ago. That the devil may say, oh, shame on you, but you need a bunch of people around you. No, 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 shame off of you because of what Jesus has done, that if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. Come on, clap your hands. Give God a big shout of praise all over this place. If you're thankful that the truth of God God's word replaces the feelings and lies of the devil. Come on, I'm thankful, and I need people to remind me of it. I need people to remind me. Listen to me. Crew and church are not luxuries. They are necessities. As you walk this thing out that God is calling you to, you need some people around you. And again, we're in the most isolated, and I would just say we're the most socially connected culture that's ever lived, and yet we're the most isolated, lonely culture that's ever lived. You need people. I need people. We need each other never more than right now. Come on, let's land the plane. It's the last thing is this. It's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay not to tell someone. And listen, it's not okay to stay that way. It's not okay to stay that way. You hear me say that all the time. It's okay to not be okay. It's not okay to stay that way. We added the clause in there this week about, hey, you need some people around you. And I want to tell you, it's not okay to stay that way. Listen, Elijah is on suicide watch. 
He's saying, God, take my life. I'm tired. I'm over it. And there's some of you who walk in here feeling the exact same way. And you would think that this great man of God would would show up and do some big supernatural thing to sustain him, to help him. But that is not what God does. Look at 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 5. He laid him down. He said, hey, sleep. And as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up. Somebody say, get up and eat. He looked around. There beside his head were those lobster biscuits. Come on, somebody. Man, I'm a red lobster. That sounds so good right now. Come on, Murray, Kentucky. Come on. Come on, Mayor Rogers, if you're watching, come on, let's get a mur- let's get a red lobster in Murray. That'd be so good. Okay. So he ate and drank and he laid down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up, eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. See, the rhythm of God shows us that we gotta rest, we gotta eat. We got to get up. You got to rest. You got to eat. You got to get up. See, listen to me. Our emotional, mental side is directly connected to our physical body. And you may find yourself in a state that you're in, maybe because you've neglected resting or eating. And and I want to tell you, it, it involves all three of them. Because I know what depression did to me was just rest. Just rest. Just sleep. Just lay down. What happens is I didn't want to get back up. I didn't want to move. I didn't want to go anywhere else. And I just got to thinking about that. And I just want to tell you, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you. Listen, what that reminds me and tells me is that I can't fight this in my own strength. That I am not enough. That God has called me not to just do hard things but impossible things on my own. And watch this. Elijah gets up. He starts going on this 40-day journey. He hears from God when he finally gets to Mount Sinai. Watch what happens. God, he shows up in the middle of that and God is not in the wind, God is not in the earth, and God is not in the fire. Earth, wind, and fire, there ain't no 70s band. Come on, somebody, all right? That was the Bible, okay? Like, like, like I want you to see that, that literally there's this, that, that God is not in any of those, the earthquake, the wind, or the fire, but he's in a still, small voice. And I love that God whispered, because listen to me, you can only hear a whisper if you're close. That's what it means. That's what it looks like. You need to realize that in your depression, in your anxiety, in your fear, in your doubt, that listen to me, look at me. God is close to you. God is close to you. And what he hears from God is that, hey, 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 I still have a purpose for you. Look at me. 1 Kings 19, verse 15. Our team's going to come. Our worship team's going to come. Here's what I want to tell you really quickly. 1 Kings 19, verse 15. The Lord said, go back the way that you came and go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Hazel king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Snapchat. That's how I read that. It's not that, but it is that. From Abel Mahala to succeed you as prophet. And listen, in other words, go Go back to doing what prophets do. Go back to doing what prophets do. Go back to doing what they do. And I believe the Spirit of God is speaking to many of you today. And I want to just share it with you that there is something yet for you to do. That you feel down. You may feel blue. You may feel hopeless. You may feel afraid. You may be unsure. You may have lost your confidence. You may not see it. But God is saying to you today, if you are still alive, you are not done. And you may have faced 
suicide. You may have faced depression, but it has not stopped your mission. And if you're still here, it's because God has something for you to do. Because in this life, you will be pressed. But that does not mean that you have to be depressed. Watch what Paul says. He says, we are pressed on every side by our troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by our God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. And then David says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, he didn't say if I walk through it, or I might go through it, or maybe one day you might go through it. He says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. Why? Because you are close to me. You might be at the end of your rope today, but listen to me. I came to remind somebody that you're not at the end of the hope that God has for your life because he's promised to never leave you nor forsake you and there is sin and suffering in this world but thanks be to God that we have a God that's on our side come on why don't you jump up to your feet why don't you give him a big shout of praise all over this place today that it's okay to not stay it's okay to not be okay just not okay to stay that way and we got a God that's by our side come on everybody on your feet right now all across this room that's the God that we serve, that even in our sin, He was coming after us. And I just, I, I love that so much that we serve a God that even while we were sinning, Christ died for us. So you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus. I just want to tell you that that's why Jesus came. This guy, all of us, everybody in this room, we all have fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. We've all messed up. We've all walked through it and said, okay, I choose anything other than God. But Jesus, in his goodness and his mercy, while we were still a long way off, died for us. And if you're in this place and you've never given your heart and life to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to just, everybody across the room, would you bow your heads and close your eyes right now? Come on, we're going to just do some business with God right now. There's some of you in this place that have never given your life to Jesus. And I just want to encourage you today that the Bible tells us that if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and we will believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that we will be saved, that you and I were sinners. We were far from God, born in this world you know, as a sinner, and yet Jesus came and gave his life for us. So come on, maybe there's some of you in this room, maybe some of you that are watching online that need to give your life to him today. Jesus has already done all the work. You just got to receive the free gift of what he's done. So you want to do that today? You want to receive that gift of salvation? Here's, how, here's all the Bible says. Confess with your mouth, Jesus, Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. So I'm going to lead you right now in just a prayer of confession, just a prayer of repentance. You don't, have to, you don't have to say it word for word, but I want you to mean it in your heart. Just like the three people last Sunday that gave their life to Jesus, you can step into that relationship today. If that's you and you want to give your life to Jesus, say something like this. Dear Jesus, I want you to come in my life. I want you to save me. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you are the Son of God. I put my trust in you today. I follow after you today. Thank you for what you've done. It's because of you, Jesus, that I can have life. And I accept that today. Maybe that's you in this place. You said that word for word, but you said something like it. If that's you and you say, hey, I just gave my heart to Jesus today. I want to know that. Well, know that you made that decision. So once you do this, if that's you and you just said yes to a relationship with Christ, would you just shoot your hand up over your head? You just raise it up over your head. Awesome. You can drop it back down. Anybody else? Say, hey, that's me. Up over your head. Drop it right back down. 
cross. But I'll just tell you that there's a party going on in heaven when one person comes to Jesus. And I don't want to let you know that we want to know that you made that decision. A couple ways you can let us know that. A QR code that Katie and Sam talked about earlier. That you can scan that. At the bottom it says, today I said yes to Jesus. You can fill it out that way. In just a second, we're going to have a chance to respond to the, the message of what God was speaking today. Let any of our team know down here. But anybody with a lanyard out in the lobby, we'd be honored to walk through this next season with you as you start this relationship with Jesus because of what Jesus has done. So good. So Purpose Church, can we put our hands together and thank God for salvation in this place today?